Open your Bible to Matthew chapter number 18, please. Matthew chapter number 18. We spent the month of August teaching on prayer in the form of a series called Face to Face and how we can literally live a life face to face with God. This was not possible before the blood of Jesus came on the scene because the blood of Jesus changed everything. The blood of Jesus grants us access into what, if you're in church, we would call the holiest of holies. But if you're not in church, a way to explain it might be like this. It means you can literally get close to God and talk to God and not just go on about life as normal. Because of the blood of Jesus, you have been made clean. We then did a brief series on the idea of fishing and how the the primary function that Jesus taught the disciples, the twelve who followed Him around to do, the primary function that He taught the disciples to do was to fish for people. Matter of fact, whenever he met Simon, which we surname Peter, when he met Simon Peter, he did not say, Simon, follow me and you will see me walk on water. Simon, follow me and you'll see me raise the dead to life. Simon, follow me and you will see me cast sickness out of people. He simply said, Simon, follow me and I will teach you how to catch people. If you want to know what's on the heart of God, if you want to know what's on God's mind, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, it is people. He is very interested in the people that are not close to Him and He longs for them to be close. That's why we're starting this series today called Lost and Found because in your life and in my life, if you're a born-again Christian or you've never accepted Jesus or you're a born-again Christian and now you feel like, man, I'm just out of step with God. I'm not walking tight with God. I don't know what to do. There are situations and times in our life where in some level, in some way, shape, or form, we feel lost. And there's nothing worse than losing something. There's nothing worse than misplacing something. I'm an expert in this. Not only do I misplace things very, very well, my wife finds things very, very well. She has a sixth sense for it. I don't know how she does it. But but literally, I'll say, baby, where's the salt and pepper? And she'll say, it's in your hand. I'm like, oh, yeah. Baby, where's my cell phone? It's in your pocket. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Baby, where's my car? It's in the garage. Oh, my gosh, who would have thought? But I'm also an expert on looking because I have three children. And, and my three children, uh, bless their heart, but, but they, we have a TV in the car that, that flips down out of, the, out of the ceiling, you know, so they can watch TV. And they got headphones. And, and here's the deal. Uh, if they have those headphones, it's a quiet ride wherever we're going. If they don't have those headphones, it's called a million questions. So the other day we were driving and Walker Lee was in the third seat. We have a Yukon. Walker Lee was in the third seat of the back of this, you know, bus. You know what I'm saying? So you can't reach him. You can't hand him a Cheerio. You can't do nothing. They're back there, you know. And he says to me, he says, Daddy, I can't find my headphones. I said, well, buddy boy, I said, uh, can, you, can you look for them? Yeah, I already looked for them, Dad. I can't find them. I'm like, well, goodness gracious. And I thought, we'll just look for them when we get there. We were driving about an hour and a half. I said, we'll just look for them when they get there. And then he said, Daddy, how come the color blue is blue? Well, that's a good question, but Daddy, are we going dove hunting today? I said, well, no. Daddy, is tomorrow school? I said, no. I said, Daddy, can we go to McDonald's? I said, Daddy, what's two plus five? Daddy, what's a hundred plus two? I said, we're getting those earphones, bless God. <laughs> so we got the earphones. I'm an expert on both sides of the coin, so hey, 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 I hate losing stuff. And that is one of the worst things, but maybe I could better say it like this. It's worse when you lose something and you don't. Know when you lost it. 
You're just going through life. Everything's fine. You, you don't know, uh, you, you don't feel funny. You don't feel like you're off track. You don't feel like anything's going, going awry or, or, or going astray. But, but then some way, some way, shepherd, when something rattles you and you wake up and you go, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? I, I've been constantly and ever and always working on things and doing my very best to live for God and live right for God and do all these other things. But somehow or another, I've just woken up. I'm in a completely different place. I, I, don't, I don't understand. You know, if a ship leaves New York City, headed for Australia, and it goes one degree off course to the right or to the left, it will never reach its destination on time. You and me have destinations in God. We have, a, we have a future and a hope, the Bible says. And He's called it forth to bless us. And He's called opportunities to give us uh, chances to win our family to Him and to, to, to serve the body of Christ in a strong way and to make a difference in this world while we're here. You're only going to be here 120 years. Take somebody to heaven with you. Your life is worth something. It's overwhelmingly valuable. But occasionally, we just get off track just a a little bit. And it it would be one thing if there was like this beeper that the minute you got off track, you knew it. You could just, boop, I'm back on track. Everything's fine. But it's not like that in my life. Maybe it is for you and you should write a book. I'll read it. But but in my life, it's like something little, just a little sidestep. And I, and I, I, I don't even know it. And then I get down the road and I look and I go... Where did I miss it? Here's the scenario. If that's you this morning, I'm going to give a few examples that most of us are going to fall into, including myself. That most of us are going to fall into, including myself. Uh, A few examples, and here's the thing. God's going to get you back on track, and He's going to do it today. Number one. Everybody say number number one. Some of us have lost our confidence. Some of us have lost our ability to stand firm. Some of us have lost our, 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 our swagger, if you will. God bless Kenny Hill. I said, God bless Kenny Hill. Come on, somebody. Did y'all watch the Aggies? Did y'all go to bed? 73 points? Lamar Cardinals, that's my alma mater. I got, they're a good high school. <laughs> I got a text message in the middle of the game, which meant it was like 4 a.m. or whatever time it was. Crazy lightning. I got a text message from a friend of mine that knows I'm from Lamar. And he said, are you rooting for the Aggies or are you rooting for Lamar? And I texted him back. I said, brother, I'm in a full-blown indoctrination process with my three children. Go Aggies. <laughs> he said, Amen. But in our lives, we, we lose our confidence. We lose our ability to feel, to feel capable. Let me give you an example. There's a guy named Moses. Everybody heard of Moses? Moses, uh, he was a baby that the Bible says that his mama put him in a basket and floated him down the river because they were doing abortion outside the womb then, not like we do it now. They were just killing babies different. So they took him and they put him in a, in a basket and floated him down the river. And the Bible says that the Pharaoh's daughter saw him in the river, takes him in, and they raised him. His mom actually, through a state of events, was actually able to raise him in the palace. But he became a prince of Egypt. A prince of a foreign land that he was not a member of because he's an Israelite, he's a Jew, he's Hebrew. But he was raised in the prince. So he had all the privileges 
All the privileges of being a prince. If, if he said, I want something to drink, he didn't have to worry about whether or not he was going to get something to drink. If he said, I want a house built here, he'd get a house built here. If he says, I want something built over there, it would happen over here. And he had the confidence of a thousand sunrises behind him because his daddy, who was the fill-in-the-blank daddy at the time, his daddy was the Pharaoh. And in his life, uh, he was able to just say and do anything that he wanted to do. He had outlandish and overwhelming confidence. And then something happened on the inside of him and he began to realize that he is not the people that he's, that he's working for. He begins to see that there's different people in his life that, that, are, that are different and, and the people that are being pushed down and downtrodden, they're actually his people. They're his kinsmen, the Israelites, the ones that have been enslaved for almost 400 years. They're, they're constantly being ridiculed. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that Moses begins to just get, get, get really twisted in the situation. He says, I can't continue to have my life lived at this level while my people are put at this level. And he begins to shift and things change and he ends up killing a guy uh, that was beaten, uh, beaten and killing uh, a slave one day. And the Bible says he got scared and he ran off into the mountains and met a guy named Jethro, married one of his daughters, and he became a goat herder. He became somebody that just watched sheep and goats. He became somebody that just raised livestock. And here's the situation. There's nothing against raising livestock. We have two goats and, and they're crazy. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend having goats. But I would say this. There's something about having livestock that, that it always gives you something to do. We fed our goats yesterday and guess what we have to do today? Feed the goats. We make sure they have water yesterday, and guess what we have to do today? Make sure they have water, because they are too stupid to not step in it. It's just goats. That's the way it is. But Moses is this guy who he's a prince. He's got everything at his disposal. He's got everything at the palm of his hands, at the tip of his fingers. And he finds himself the man who's supposed to be leading Israel, and he's leading goats. Some of you are leading goats. And God's called you to lead nations. So he's out there leading goats one day. And the Bible says, you guys know the story if you've been in church five minutes. There's a bush on fire, but the bush is not consumed. That means that there's a bush that's burning, but the, the, the wood and the stubble is not being consumed. And Moses looks at it and says, I've got to go check this out. And he walks over, and as he's walking up, uh, the Bible says that God speaks to him and says, Take your shoes off, because this is holy ground. So everybody take your shoes off. Just kidding, don't do that. We'd get out of here if we did that, i tell you what. But God says to him, he says, Moses, come close. I want to teach you a song. I want you to go back to Egypt and go into the palace and sing this. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. Huh. Maybe he didn't really say that. He says, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to walk into that palace and I want you to with the swagger of a prince. An heir and a joint heir, not in the kingdom of sin, but the kingdom of light. I want you to walk into that palace and you tell that heavy-handed, baby-killing Pharaoh to let your people go. Yeah. Moses, with no confidence, said, Lord, 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 I like the song, 
But, 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 but I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. I, I, I can't. I can't go back to that place. I, I was barely there. I, I can't speak. I, I'm not a good talker. I don't, I don't even know what to do. I feel upside down half the time. And, and God says, because He has a way of making a way where there is no way. He said, I tell you what, Mo. I know how you feel now. So why don't you ask your brother to go with you and he can talk for you. And Mo said, okay, 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 okay. I'll take take Aaron. Still no confidence. Some of us, it's not confidence that we've lost. Uh, Maybe number two is this. You say you just lost who you are. You used to be this. Now you feel like you're that. You used to be the one known in the office that if you got a problem, you need to go see Johnny because he'll pray for you. If you got a problem, you need to go see Susie because she'll pray for you. If you've got gossip, you better not walk in Johnny's office because he's going to say something kind, but he's going to say, brother, let's just pray for him. I don't want to talk about him. You used to be known for this, and now you don't even know what you're known for. There was two brothers in the Bible. Jesus told the story. We call it the prodigal son. Where one of the brothers goes to dad and says, dad... Listen, we are rich, and that's awesome. But I want my inheritance now because you won't let me buy an Xbox. He says, I want my inheritance now. I, I want to go do it my way, Jesus. I want to go, or Dad. I want to go do it my way, Dad. I want to go make my way. I don't want to conform to this nonsense. Dad, you've got me so just, just constantly. I'm overshadowed by you. Dad, I just want to take my, my Legos and go play elsewhere. He says, okay, baby. He says, here's your stuff. The Bible says he takes his stuff. And couldn't you imagine it? I don't know. Maybe it was, let's just use a number. Maybe it was $50,000. Maybe it was 500000 I have a friend of mine. When he was 18 years old, he was given a very large sum of money. There's nothing wrong with money. But he wasn't ready. And it really hurt him. Or it had some bad effects. But could you imagine this 18-year-old kid walking out, bingo, bongo. He probably went and got, you know, a new watch, big as a, big as a clock. And, uh, you know, he's probably had the, the Maserati chariot, you know what I'm talking about. And he, he's probably uh, doing everything. He's probably Johnny footballing it and hanging out with every celebrity that he can afford to hang out with. And, and taking selfies, you know, with a scribe, you know what I'm talking about. He's probably really going after it, you know. And then he wakes up one day and he he realizes, wait a minute, if you don't put more in the cupboard, the cupboard runs dry. And the Bible says it like this, he wasted it all on riotous living. We would just call it sin. I've heard people try to define what kind of sin it is, I don't care. Sin is sin and sin is sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whatever yours is, you're just as guilty as whatever mine was. Just the way it is. So the Bible says that he finds himself dirt, poor, broke, busted, feeding somebody else's pigs. Now, I don't know if you understood what I said right there, but to a Jew, feeding pigs is the worst thing imaginable. Because they have to eat kosher. They have to live kosher. They're not allowed to touch a pig. A pig is unclean. So this guy, he's at the lowest part possible. Kosher.
kosher means they can't, they can't have bacon. Oh, God. Thank you for not requiring us to live Jewish. I have Jewish friends. I love them very much. One friend of mine right now, he's, a, he's married to a, a lady who's a natural-born Israeli. Her father was the first uh, Christian pastor back in Israel when Israel became a nation in the late 40s. The stories are amazing. Our Jewish brothers and sisters, we are, we are brothers and sisters with them. If anybody's speaking against Israel, I would just advise you to leave the conversation gracefully, graciously if you can. Because if you bless Israel, guess what? You're blessed. You curse Israel, guess what? You're cursed. So anyway, this young man finds himself at the lowest point, and the Bible says it this way. He says, if I could just go to my dad's, the people that work there don't have to stare at pig slop and want to eat that. The people who work there don't have to stare at these stupid pigs all day and deal with that. I'll just go and work for him. He lost who he was. And then maybe number three, you're in a different situation. Maybe you've lost your strength and maybe you've lost your sight. Maybe you're in a position where... You used to walk so strong with God that your confession and your convictions never wavered. Who in here has been in church for more than three years? Lift your hand, please. Maybe you have lived for God and your strength has been that when you had something come against your family, you would knee-jerk and begin to quote Scripture or begin to believe God with all you have instead of focusing on the problem. You had the, my God is bigger than my problem mentality, but somewhere along the way, your strength has wavered and you're focusing on the problem and you're not focusing on God. Maybe you've lost your strength, or, or maybe it's this, maybe you've lost your sight, maybe, maybe you've gotten very uh, uh, short-sighted in your vision, meaning your strength is good, you spend all day listening to Joyce Meyer and, and Joel Osteen or, or Rod Parsley or fill in the blank, whoever your favorite uh, person on TV or the radio is, or maybe it's a New Heights Church podcast, come on somebody, and you just listen to it all day long, and you're sitting there and you just, you know, you, you tried to get in the bathtub and you're just walking on the water and you can't get down and you're trying to get in there because you just you got so much strength you know what I'm saying you're just you're just you're just piling it on you're strong as I'll get out but 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 you hadn't gotten anybody saved in 18 months is this Wednesday night oh man I meant to say that on Wednesday night you hadn't got anybody saved in 18 months you hadn't invited anybody to church in 67 years You have strength and you are overwhelmingly strong, but you've lost sight of what's important to God. We're good at having church. Heck, we're great at it. We can lift our hands, we can shout, we can say amen, we can feel the presence of God. We had a miraculous healing Wednesday night. A little girl with scoliosis, in tears, crying, couldn't move. I was there, couldn't move. And the Spirit of God touched her and her back straightens out. And she goes home and says, Mama, I'm completely healed. Everything changes with God. 
But you've lost sight. You're, you're sitting there and you're, 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 you're sitting there going, and Jesus, if an angel walked in, you know, you know, he would already have a seat at your table because he comes in because you're so strong in God, but maybe you've just lost sight. What's important to him? People are important to God. Now, we got an example. Samson's a guy. He was a Nazarite, the Bible said. He didn't cut his hair. He wasn't supposed to drink alcohol. There was a lot of standards that he kept that weren't necessarily everybody's standards, but they were his standards. And what happened was, is he was a Philistine wrecking ball. A Philistine, if you're a Philistine, if you were a Philistine, nobody here is a Philistine. If you were a Philistine, you did not like King David and you did not like Samson. Because if you met King David or you met Samson, you had a problem. Because Philistines were always against Israel. They were always against Judah. They were always against God's people. And God would raise up men of valor like David and his mighty men, like Samson, who would just clean Philistines' clocks for a living. Samson didn't even need a sword. He would just pick up an old dry bone if he could find it. One time the Bible said he took a donkey's jawbone and just whooped everybody in town. Bang, 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 bang. He was bad. But he had these standards that he kept. Now, your standards and my standards might look different. I might watch a movie that you would never let your holy eyes see. But I like The Lion King. I don't care. <laughs> but my standards might be different than your standards. We're not going to list my standards on here. That's called convictions. We have doctrine and we have convictions. Doctrine is established by the Word of the living God. It does not change. It does not vary. It does not falter. It hangs on the blood of J-E-S-U-S. It is the standard by which everything in our life is measured. But at the same time, you and me are living our life, pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. And God saw it fit to put this in the Bible to say this, As a man believes in his heart, so it is with that man. That means if you believe something's wrong, even if it's not wrong. If you believe uh, walking across the street on Tuesday is wrong, which it's not. But if you did, it would be wrong for you to do it. Because you are conflicting with a belief that is on the inside of you. You are moving your standards. Now, get wisdom. Bible says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Understand that there's some things that are religious and there's some things that are doctrine and you can just work those things out as you go. Come to this church. We'll teach you plenty of good doctrine. But, but along the way, you've got to get to the place where you have some standards in your home and you won't have any. Somebody say amen. amen. You've got to get to the place where you have some standards in your house or you won't have any. It might be this. We do not say or allow a racist word to be spoken in this house. That means you come to my house, I will feed you, I will bless you, you can sit on the couch, not in my chair, you can eat at our table, but the minute you say something about somebody that was born that doesn't look like you, sound like you, talk like you, or otherwise... I am going to correct that in my home and you will know that this is a standard in the Hallam house. 
Maybe it's this. Maybe it's, hey guys, you know, we're all going to go out to such and such. We're going to get there at two o'clock in the morning. We're going to do such and such till we're blue in the face. And then we're going to blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be crazy and everything's fine because we got babysitters. So we can come time home, whatever time we want and everything like that. Maybe it's a situation like that where you're not going to go do what would convict you, but your presence might condone what could condemn them. In your life, in my life, We've got to have standards. And I'm not saying they have to be finite forever. There's standards in my life where some areas of my life, I've pushed the line back a little bit. I said, you know what? I might be missing getting some people saved because I don't want this around me, but it's not sin for me, but i got to get those people into the kingdom of God. So I'm not, you know, my kids may never see this, but, but, but this person, if they walk up to me saying or talking a certain way, I'm not fixing to start correcting them immediately. I'm going to love them and do everything I can to get them into the kingdom of God. Then it could be the opposite. It could be, you know what, I've gotten close to God and I used to be completely comfortable with this. Here's an example. I used to smoke a pack a day and not think a thing about it. I didn't, but I'm just telling you. This could be an example. I used to smoke a pack a day and didn't think a thing about it. And now all of a sudden, I got this revelation that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in me. So I would not go to this church and pump a bunch of smoke into it. My body is the temple. I'm not going to pump a bunch of smoke into my body. Now, if you're believing God to get off cigarettes, I'm with you. If you're not believing God to get off cigarettes, I'm believing God that you won't get cancer. But the situation is, sometimes your standard gets tighter. Sometimes you, you get a little bit more revelation. You say, you know what, I can be more effective if I'm around this person a little bit longer. So it's just a thing. But here's the deal. You've got to hold the line. You've got to hold the line. You can't let it shift because the minute it shifts, guess what? It disappears. And here's what happened with Samson. Samson was strong. He was, he was a Nazarite. Everybody looked at him. He was the guy that you wanted to have around you in the amount, in, in the event of a problem with a Philistine or really anybody else. But, but he was just, he was amazing in every area. But all of a sudden, he started leaning towards his own desires at the expense of God's heart. And he began to move and shift his standards to a place where they disappeared. And all of a sudden, he found himself with no strength and no vision. Your life and my life, you can't live without the strength of God. You don't want to live without the vision of God. You don't want to get to a place where you've lost sight or you've lost strength. You don't want to get to a place where you've lost the ability to knee-jerk faith. What do I mean by that? You hear your children coughing and and wheezing, and maybe it's just a typical cold, but I don't care. When I see sickness, I pray against it. Because Third John, verse number 2, says, Above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health. And I believe the flu is included in all things. It's not that I, I question God if I have to go through something like that. God forbid an ear infection or whatever. It's not that I start questioning him. Has the cosmos gotten out of line? I sneeze twice in an hour. No. But I know whose side I'm on. And he told me what his will is. Prosper, be in health. 
So in our lives, sometimes we, we just get lost. And I'm really not talking about being lost and away from God right now in, a, in an eternal standpoint. I'm just talking about you live for God. You, you, you walked with God and, and something just happened and you, you found yourself away and you, you're like Moses. You, you found yourself without confidence. Maybe that's you. What do you do? I'm so glad for the Bible because here's what Moses did. He, he sat there and God said to him, he said, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to go to the palace. I want you to tell them that my people go. He said, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even talk. I, I can't this. He goes, okay, 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 okay. Just take Aaron. But just go. I don't know if you've ever seen movies with Moses, but he always has a really cool coat and a robe. The Bible says he walked with a staff. A little staff. And I can see this big man. He had a, he had a, a beard uh, long before Willie Robertson had one. Come on, somebody. And he gets up and he, he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't. And, then, and then all of a sudden he takes a step and he's, he's coming down that mountain and, and he can hear the whip. And he can hear the, the, the rocks getting busted and the bricks getting made. And he can see the statues of these pagan gods rising out of the sand. And he's walking and with every step he's, he's getting more powerful and more anointed and, and more angry at the same time. Because the people who God called him to deliver from captivity were under complete and total bondage. And every step he took he's getting stronger and stronger till he walks right through that slave camp. Gets into the palace and says, you, tell, you listen to me. I serve the God of Israel. And he is displeased with you. And before this thing is over, you will let my people go. Here's how Moses did it. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't talk. Ah, I, I, I can't talk. I can't talk. You're really with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You've empowered me. I've seen your strength. I, I've witnessed it firsthand. I, I, I'm experiencing your glory and, and, and you're not pleased with these people in, in bondage and you, you've equipped me and if you've sent me, then surely you'll be with me and you'll go with me. I will go to the ends of the earth, but I will see the will of God accomplished in my life. In your life, I'm not asking you to run down the mountain. I'm asking you to take one step. Moses got in front of Pharaoh and he was sitting there fixing to talk and I could see it play out because God told him, take Aaron, let Aaron talk. I could see Aaron go, okie dokie. We got a list of demands here, Pharaoh. I'm Aaron, by the way. I'm one of the ones you've been whipping. We're going to need you to let some people go. We want to start with Joshua because he's really going to go with us a long way. I could see him stand up and be ready for it. Maybe he'd prepared a speech. Maybe he was all ready for it. But as soon as Moses walked into the place of his destiny, he didn't need Aaron speaking for him anymore. All his confidence came back. The prodigal son, the Bible said, was sitting there and he was feeding the pigs and he was staring at what they ate. I don't know how to put that into words. The idea of a Jew being around that is, it would be the worst thing that they could be around. It would be like working, having to work in a sewer with no protective clothing. That's how we would feel. In the sewer. That's how he would have had to feel. 
And the Bible says somehow in his thought process of, of, you know, even the people at my dad's house, even they, even they, you know, get to eat better than this. The Bible says it this way. It's very interesting in King James. He said, and he came to himself. Some of you today are coming back to yourself. You're a new creature in Christ. You're not what happened to you. You're not what happened to your family. You're so much more than that. You're not your circumstance. You're not the thoughts you've had associated with it. The victory is as certain as the next sunrise. There's no day of your life where God will leave you. There's no moment in time where He will not protect you. There's no opportunity that He will not grant you. And today, you're coming back to yourself. He went home. The Bible says he's walking down the road. Could you imagine this young man? Maybe he's 19 by now. I don't know how long it would take to spend a half a million dollars. The Bible says his daddy sees him from afar off. And the little boy, the boy's probably thinking, I wonder what my dad's going to say. I, I'll just tell him I'll work for him. I, I can't believe I blew it again. And, you know, my brother, he's always been the one. And, and he's always there all the time. And, and, and I, I just, I wonder what dad's going to say. And, and then all of a sudden his daddy sees him and he goes, he's back. And he takes off running. The Bible says he falls on him. The original tongue, it's the same word where we get the word the Holy Spirit fell at the day of Pentecost. It just fell and and just enveloped everything that that boy was. And he began to clothe him, put shoes on his feet. He put a ring on his finger. He said, you will be identified as my son and not the sin of your past. Put a robe on his back. He said, go get the best steaks we got and throw them on the green egg. I'm on the pit. My boy is home. Some of you are coming back to yourself today. A new creature in Christ. You're not what you were. You're not what you did. You're who He made you to be. Some of you are getting your confidence back. Samson. Almost done, guys. Samson. Powerless and blind. Bound with chains. Locked away in some dungy prison, which I assure you is not the country club that we've got people hanging out at at Guantanamo Bay. In prison, weak, defeated, Busted. The man who, at the drop of a hat, if you had trouble, you call Sam. Some of y'all are that person to your family and your friends. You're the one they call. You're the one they call. But you don't feel that way. You're the first one that gets the call. It's like they got a bat phone that's connected to you. Oh, God, I got a problem again. And you're sitting there thinking, you're like... My problems are like 8,000 times bigger than that, but okay, tell me yours about how they messed up your pedicure. 
You're sitting there with hell just storming your house in every direction and you're, you're just doing all you can think of is to do what the Bible says and just stand. But you feel powerless and blind. Something very interesting happened in the book of Judges. We'll read about Samson. The Bible says that his hair began to grow back. Some of you are getting your strength back right now. Some of you God's touching right now. And your strength's coming back. Your vision is starting to come back in line with God's Word. God's will for your life. Your, your whole, you sense it. You, you know, I've, I've heard of creative miracles. I knew one lady that she got knocked off of a horse and she ran underneath a tree and the horse knocked her off and she broke her neck in like 18 different places or something crazy like that. And, and there's, there's testimony of more than one witness of them sitting there. The doctors had given up all hope and the church was praying. Uh, this was years ago. Uh, the church was praying and, 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 and not this church. I just want to make sure we're clear. The church was praying, Abundant Life Christian Center, Pastor Walter Hallam. The church was praying constantly. And the nurse said, she began to hear the sounds of twigs breaking in ICU. And she went in there and she said, the body was sitting still because she was under sedation. And she said the body was sitting still, but it sounded like a chiropractor just breaking her in every direction. Pop, 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 pop. And the next morning they had an x-ray scheduled because that's what they do. They wait for some of the swelling and stuff to go down. They want to make sure they don't miss anything. And they get there and every bone in her body was completely whole. Some of you are coming back together. You're getting your strength back, your vision back. Because what's important to God is that any area of your life where you feel lost, that you understand He's seeking to find you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep? So if you got a hundred sheep, one of them goes astray, one of them goes missing. Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray? And if so be that he findeth, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which were not astray. Even so, it's not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Right before this, Jesus is talking about the little ones coming to Him and stuff. It's important to me because I have babies, have children. You and your whole house will be saved if you live for God. But the Bible says that Jesus came to seek that which was lost. The Bible says that if Jesus has a hundred sheep and one of them goes away, that He'll leave the 99 sheep that are safe. That's me, by the way. Thank you, Lord. That's you. 
That's your family that's born again, that's living for God. The Bible said that he'll leave that situation and go find the one that's lost. Some of you, you're getting your confidence. You're coming back to yourself and you're getting your strength and your vision. But others of you, you're not right with God. You know it, I know it. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, you're not certain where you would spend eternity. Can I just say this? There's nothing more important to God than you spending eternity with Him. But if you're not a Christian and you hear that, you go, what kind of a guy would just bail on all them? Because in, in, in our world, majority rules. You know, a truth and doctrine doesn't rule in our world. That's the world. Majority rules. Even majority's dead, bat, wrong. So if you're hearing that for the first time and you're trying to figure it out, let me give you a little example. I was about five years old and we had a Suburban and it had a TV in it, but it didn't flip for the ceiling. It was tied with a piece of rope to a milk carton <laughs> in the back of the Suburban. And it was back when car seats apparently weren't important. <laughs> Because we just laid the seats down, and we, we called it the cloud. We just had blankets and pillows. We had some cousins that lived in New Jersey. So one summer, I guess it was summer, I don't remember. My parents said, we're going to New Jersey. Giddy up. little piece of advice. Do not drive a Suburban in Manhattan if you've never been there. No place to park. Five years old, we're driving out there, watching DuckTales. Mickey Mouse, whatever, I don't know what we're watching. Driving out there. We get to New York, New Jersey, spend a few days. See the Statue of Liberty. Very amazing deal. I remember the World Trade Center. I remember standing at the World Trade Center and looking up as a, as a kid. We went up to the Empire State Building. And then on our way home, we, we detoured down to D.C., Washington, D.C. And we go into a, a place called the Smithsonian which is a very uh, prominent museum. If you've, if you've never had the chance to go, it's absolutely amazing. It's where Wilbur and Orville Wright's uh, airplane is hung from the ceiling in there. The original um, steam engines and dinosaurs. And these are just some of the things I remember. Race cars, um, just amazing. And I remember I was so excited. We were walking around and I come from a very, very close-knit family. Very close. And we're walking around. And my little brother, I don't remember if he was around yet. Was he around yet? He had to be in a, in a stroller probably. Yeah, he was a baby. This big apparently. Wow, Mom. <laughs> I had the world's littlest brother. It was amazing. We were dismissed on him. We were trying to check him in. Can we put him on display? So we're, we're, we're at the Smithsonian. My mom's pushing the world's smallest stroller. My older brother, he's about eight probably. And I remember walking through the race cars. And if you're a little boy, this was really neat. They had a full steam locomotive in the building. So it was, you know, it was bigger than this building. It was like, oh man. And I remember I'm looking at it like, oh my gosh. Look at this thing. It's huge. I don't know, you know. As a little boy, I don't know how long I spent looking at it. 
But I remember turning around and going, Dad, did you? And they weren't there. And they left me in D.C. No. <laughs> but I remember the moment I realized I was lost. And, and I remember, I remember, you know, I was old enough to think, I'm so far from home. We've been in the car for, for two days and, and I don't know where my parents are. And so I started going to the places that we'd, that we'd been. I started backtracking and I'm going by the, I'm going by the, 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 the cars and I, and I get to the dinosaurs that ain't going in there and I, I just keep looking and, and if I, I, I remember I'm crying. I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. I, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm away from my mom, my dad, my brother. I don't know what to do. I was terrified. One of the scariest moments in my life. My brothers, the tiny baby and my older brother, they were with my parents. They were safe. So my dad has got the 99 with him. Could you imagine if my older brother had said, while dad and mom are frantically looking for me? If my older brother said, Daddy, I know he's gone and everything, but I need a happy meal. No. They weren't interested in the 99 in that moment. They were interested in the one it was lost. I got back into the train room and there's the train and I'm sitting there looking and, and, uh, and literally I'm at the place and, and finally I just, Dad! I'm screaming, Dad! Dad! And around the corner I see my dad walking with that walk that only a parent has and it's this walk right here and he's looking and I see him and he sees me and I run to him and he grabs me and I felt so amazing because I was lost. And now I'm found. Some of you are living for God, but God's just granting you some of that stuff back. Some of you are away from God. And He has left the 99. And He's looking for you. Bow your head and close your eyes, please.